understand that when we're going to enter a new month or we're going to enter a, a, a new season, that we are to pray God's will over ourselves. Okay? Even though God is faithful, we're unfaithful because sometimes we could relapse, sometimes we could fall short, and sometimes we could forget. Amen? There are many times that I need to remind myself of what God has called me to do and not get caught up with everything else that everyone is doing. Amen? So as a as the pastor of this congregation, I, I, I strongly suggest, it's only a suggestion for you to take tonight under consideration to pray, God, July is tomorrow. It's the second uh, second part of this year. Order my steps. If there's anything in me that, that I have yet to give up, Father, let it be tonight so that I could enter effectively the second half of the year, not wasting time and not falling into the same trickeries and plans of the enemy. Amen. So with that being said, at this hour, we're going to have uh, my spiritual son, Dave Ewan, who's going to be bringing tonight's session. Amen. So if you guys could welcome him with a round of applause. Amen. With a hand. God bless you. Amen. And he'll be bringing us the word. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor. It's good to see everyone. Amen. It's so hot out. That's the part where you say, how hot is it? How hot is it? No, you got to do it at the right time, right? So, it's so hot out. It's so hot out that the polar bears are getting suntanned. It is hot. It is hot. Um, just a reminder that this Sunday, the service is at 11 o'clock instead of 12. Um, if you don't have this, we've been passing out a newsletter with announcements and also some of the things that we have been chatting about. Uh, we're looking to do something like this once a month, something like this. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. Um, for example, there's the online class that we're preparing for if you're interested in the discipleship class uh, to prepare you for an understanding of the study of God's word and the best practice for Christians. Uh, we're uh, getting ready for that, uh, getting people signed up for that. Um, more information on Resurrection Center News. Um, so today we're going to talk about identity crisis. Identity crisis. So you might have heard the story before. So December was a time for me when I was a time in crisis. What, what is crisis? Crisis is a time when ah, <laughs> it's a tragedy or something that you feel is a tragedy that it may not be. Um, and today we're talking about identity crisis. And uh, in December, there was a time when my identity would not have mattered because I almost died. So I almost died of COVID. So talk about an identity crisis. Well, in December, the pastors stopped by outside uh, our, my house. My, my wife was afflicted with COVID. I was afflicted with COVID. And, and uh, the pastors were wearing this disinfectant hazmat astronaut suit. And they went like this, and they dropped off something at our house. And uh, what it was, it, they were devotional books, okay? And... Um, so here's how uh, my year started. Um, um, I, January 1, I'm going to read this. This was how January 1, and think of this, we're talking about identity crisis. 
And this is January 1. This is what I read on January 1. So, um, to God the glory and praise. May you always be filled with the fruits of salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And this is in Philippians chapter 1, verse 11. Uh, most of us have a childlike need to be acknowledged, accepted, and even hugged now and then. Sometimes it becomes a childish yearning for prominence and fame. Someone said on occasion, even the greatest long for a gentle touch. When writing to the people of Philippi, uh, the Apostle Paul showered them with praise and appreciation. They made him happy and were his partners in the gospel. God started a good work in them, and they had a special place in his heart. And I continue reading the devotional. Uh, his deepest desire was that they would grow to maturity. Everything they had already achieved and everything that was still to happen through their faith and still good works dare not make them proud of spiritual achievements. Their good qualities could be solely attributed to Christ and the Holy Spirit working in them. Don't pursue honor and glory for yourself. Don't strive to see your name prominently displayed when you have done something worthwhile for God. Give God the credit and glory. Be prepared to stand aside and let other people praise God for what he did and through you. Don't destroy Christ's work by your efforts to turn the spotlight on yourself. Thank the Lord that you are able to be involved and give him all the honor and glory. So the way I thank the Lord is, um, as I was uh, recovering and trying to get back to a real identity, um, the first Sunday of the year was January 3rd. So um, the way I wanted to start the year, the way I defined my identity was to serve the Lord. So we parked, um, not in the parking lot, uh, the leaders park outside the parking lots, uh, so I'm on the other side. So I get out of the car. I say, the building's over there and I'm here. I gotta make it over there. <laughs> so I made it to the building. And, you know, when you're in good health, you don't know that there's two steps. But if you went through what I went through, there's two steps. It felt like the Stairmaster. But I still wanted to start my year with the Lord. So I made it to the door. And then I couldn't make it anymore. Fortunately, there was the wind. That blew me into the building. And that's how I start. That's how I wanted to start the year. Pastor talked about, uh, we were just talking about it in your office, Pastor. We were just talking about, we just, we're finishing the first half of the year. There are goals and achievements and plans and all of these dreams that we all have. And we have put ourselves into the identity of those things. Sometimes we forget about what those things are. So that's what we're talking about today is what's happening with our identity. You've been seeing, as you see on the screen over here, who am I? And the topic of discussion today is identity crisis. That's when we fall off the wagon. That's when we're really lost. And the question is, how did that happen? So our agenda, we have five basic items we're going to be chatting about today. You have time? Can I be real? You got time? So let's, let's do that. We're going to have five basic agenda items. The first thing I'll chat with you is, what is an identity crisis? The second thing is, what does it look like? The next one is, what does it feel like? What does an identity crisis feel like? The next one is, what to do about it? 
And number five, how can God help? Well, number five is important because what we'll be talking about is to make all this work is God's got to be in the center. Amen. That's why in the beginning of the year, I let the wind blow me in. And I don't know how I sat in that chair over there, but somehow I made it. And then after service, <laughs> I don't know, back to the car. But I got home at 3.30. I was out for the rest of the day. 3.30 p.m., I was out until the next morning, late the next morning. But that's how I wanted to start the year. I wanted to put God in the center. And whatever ailment I went through, I wanted God to be there. So let's talk about what is the psychological definition. Let's talk about that. You hear about identity crisis. What's the psychological definition of an identity crisis? Well, an identity crisis is a developmental event, meaning it happens over time. That's why I said it's a developmental event that involves a person questioning, questioning their sense of self or place in the world. Sometimes when we question, we give ourselves the wrong answer. And that's where the identity crisis comes from. The concept of identity crisis originates in the work of a developmental psychologist. His name is Eric Erickson, who believed that the formation of identity is one of the most important conflicts, conflicts that people face. It's a battle that we're dealing with. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the three stresses in life. And, and I'm sure all of you have been through this before. Three stress. There are many, but I'm just going to talk about three. You know, my mother told me there are three most stressful things in life that can cause an identity crisis. They are, she was telling me this. She said, Dave, it's getting a job. She said, number two, it's moving to a new home. And number three, it's getting married. That's what she said. <laughs> you like that, Janet? You like that? I heard you, Janet. I heard you. She posted on Facebook. Did you see that? She got married on Saturday. She got married. It, it, was, it was very exciting. So about middle of the day Saturday, uh, Janet calls my wife says, hey, I'd like you to come to my wedding. And my wife is thinking, oh, what a dress, what kind of a gift, and the plan. I wonder, you know, it's going to summer or fall. And she said, so when's the wedding? Five o'clock? <laughs> we were here early. <laughs> it was great. It was beautiful. Beautiful. So she shared a picture. Uh, so I, I was the impromptu photographer and did a speaking. It, it was wonderful. And I'm, God bless you. A round of applause to Jan. So see, you were number three, get married, right? So, so we were talking about my mother telling me three things that are stressful. Getting a new job, moving to a new home, or getting married. Okay? So she told me your identity, this is what my mother told me, your identity is how you identify yourself to the world. Ooh, let's hear that again. Your identity is how you identify yourself to the world. That's something you do, not that God does. And the crisis is the explosion when the world you identify yourself caves in. The world she talked about is the one you created yourself, not the one God created. It's not the real world, and it's not God's world. If the world you live in doesn't work, it's because you don't work. If you can handle change, 
then you are living in the real world. So remember, the three most stressful things in life that can cause an identity crisis that my mother talked about. Getting a new job, moving to a new home, and getting married. I did all three in the first three weeks of October in 2002. It was almost 20 years ago. But God was there to help me through this because as I was joined with my wife, together we became one with God in the center as glue. We worked together in our marriage preparing our new home and being excited about the new job. It was almost 20 years ago. Not much has changed. The job is long gone, including the company I was working with, that's gone. I still live in the same home, and of course, I'm still with Maria. That's when you go, aww. <laughs> and of course, you can do that again, aww. <laughs> All right, enough of that. <laughs> and of course, God is still there. So now let's talk about, let's talk about what is an identity crisis. Your identity is who you are, and a crisis is when you forget who you are. Oh, wow. It is when the train derails and is off the rails. It is when the turnip falls off the truck and is lost. So basically, it's when you're off the rails and lost. It's when a transgender woman is crowned Miss Nevada USA at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa on Sunday, June 27th. That was, when you were preaching on Sunday, that's what was happening, Pastor. Yes, yes. And uh, so, so what does that mean? So a boy won Miss Nevada. You follow me? You follow me? A boy won Miss Nevada. So he will compete in Miss USA title in November of this year. He'll probably win. And people think it's normal and biblically okay. That's an identity crisis. You still following me? Yes. So let's see some examples of the result of an identity crisis. Would you like to know some examples? Yes. Very good, very good. Uh, married men dating other women. And also vice versa. Boy, all of a sudden got silent here. <laughs> I guess it's so common now. I'm the, guy, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Number two, fancy lifestyles with debt and empty bank accounts. Number three, people not accountable for their actions. Make commitments without planning. Or Bruce Jenner to Caitlyn Jenner, all over television, people follow him or her, and he or she is running for governor too, and will probably win. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Get a little closer. Yeah, you, you on Facebook Live, get over. Take the pizza out of your mouth. Sit. It's too hot for that anyway. Sit down. Listen to this. Listen to this. My father taught me about identity and the changes in life. This is what my father taught me about, about identity and the changes in life. He said a boy does what he wants to do. A man does what he has to do. Either way, a boy turns into a man, not a girl. People without an identity crisis. You want to talk about that? People without an identity crisis. 
without, people without an identity crisis, they're the ones that earn respect. They don't have to demand respect. They don't need any fancy titles. They don't need to advertise themselves. Their lifestyle matches their bank account. It's okay to rent and not to hold a mortgage. They're connected with family and community. They're connected. They have good character and integrity in the community, and it shows from what comes out of their mouth. They don't complain. Listen to how they speak. They are responsible. They hold themselves accountable. They hold themselves accountable. They never blame others. They accept correction. They are motivated, organized, and disciplined. They're on their A-game. These are people without an identity crisis. Now let's talk about, let's go back to uh, those with an identity crisis. Let's talk about the manifestations of an identity crisis. The manifestations of an identity crisis. That's a failed character that shows a lack of character, a lack of integrity, I should say. A failed character that shows a lack of integrity. The examples are, and these are obvious if you're discerning and watching them, it's deception as an act of trickery. It's manipulation to steal from others. It's selfishness to self-satisfy at the expense of others. So the actions of deception, manipulation, and selfishness, they stem from, what do they stem from? Remember, these are the actions of deception, manipulation, and selfishness. What do they stem from? Fear, intimidation, and jealousy. Fear, intimidation, and jealousy are the ingredients, you stir that together, to something called anxiety. Now, the pharmaceutical companies make money on your anxiety. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about the medical situations. This is outside the medical situations. But one of the things that they don't tell you about is the 333 rule. The 333 rule. If you're in a, a state of anxiety that is not a medical-related issue, if your keel is a little off, if you're falling off the rail, Here's the 333 rule that anyone can do. Number one, look around you and name three things you see. Number two, then name three sounds you hear. So number one, look at three things you see and identify them. Number two, name three sounds you hear. And finally, move three parts of your body. For example, your ankle, your fingers, or your arm. Whenever you feel your brain going 100 miles per hour, this mental trick can help center your mind, bringing you back to the present moment. You be in control of your body. Don't let your body be in control of you. So what does the Bible say about identity? Would you like to know that? So would I. I'm going to find out. Let's find, let's find out together. What does the Bible say about identity? Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 7 through 8, tells us that knowing our identity in Christ will strengthen and help us live a victorious life here on earth. So what does Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 8 say? It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And that's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. Now let me talk about a, a phrase, a phrase. You hear people say, the people of. The people of. You probably said that. Say that. The people of. The people of. You hear that. We may speak of the people of Africa, the people of Asia, the people of Europe. We may also narrow the focus and speak of the people of Brazil, the people of China. When we speak the people of, we are speaking of people belonging to a geographical location or an ethnic group or some characteristic that unites them in some form or fashion, something that we may have defined ourselves. Well, let me tell you something. Would you like me to tell you something? I'll tell you something. We, the church, belong to God. Our identity as a distinct people is that we belong to God without, without regard to race, sex, geographical location, or time. As the one people of God, we should show forth the love of God to the other people of the world. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, this is Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's right. Amen. And that again is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Now I'm going to chat a bit. I'm going to chat about going through an identity crisis, going through an identity crisis. It is important to know that an identity crisis is not an actual diagnosis. It's not a diagnosis. Rather, a person going through an identity crisis may find themselves preoccupied with certain questions. What are those questions? Let's find out. It's, what am I passionate about? That's a question. What is my spiritual connection to God? Some people are lost with that. What are my values? What are my ethics? What is my role in society or purpose in life? Who am I? This question we've been talking about. Often we feel pressured to define ourselves. See, we do it ourselves. We define ourselves through our jobs, maybe financial status, uh, successes, the grades in school, our appearance, what other people say about us and other means. But what happens to our identity when we experience failure? Or we lose someone's favor? Or become burned out in our jobs or a place of service? What happens? Well, look about the changes that are affecting identity. Changes that are affecting identity. People tend to experience them at various points throughout life. I talked about this earlier. Uh, particularly at points of great change. This is include beginning a new relationship, ending a marriage or partnership, experiencing some sort of traumatic uh, event, having a child, learning about a health condition, losing a loved one, losing or starting a job, or moving to a new home, and many more. That, that's, the, the list goes on. A stable sense of self cannot fully exist when we place our identity on external things, 
When circumstances change, our identity constantly changes too. It's development. It's developmental through our journey and our growth. We may receive an overwhelming amount of messages telling us to define ourselves by all these different external measures. But what would, what would look like to be based on our identity the way God sees us? A new identity in Christ. Let's talk about what it means to have a new identity in Christ. One of the richest passages about identity in in the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. I won't read the whole thing, but this is Ephesians I'm referring to. It's in chapter 1, uh, right at the beginning of Ephesians, uh, verse 3 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. In this passage, the Apostle Paul addresses the church in Ephesus, explaining the new identity given to a person when they are in Christ. According to Ephesians, Chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, grace-lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. We are pure, blameless, and forgiven. We have received the hope of spending eternity with God. When we are in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do. Often, however, a gap, a gap exists between intellectually knowing the truths about who God says we are and living them out. I'll say that again. A gap exists between intellectually knowing these truths about who God says we are and living them out. This can be affected by how we see ourselves. We look at that because we forget how God sees ourselves. This can be affected how we see ourselves. Life experiences and the ways we allow the world to define us. In order to live out the fullness of our new identity in Christ, we must determine what hinders us from doing so. This varies from person to person. Often, a false belief has wedged itself between how God defines us and seeing ourselves in the same light. For example, the opposite of pure and blameless would be impure, stained, and guilty. Perhaps a life experience has caused you to feel impure. So you believe God sees you that way. You then create and live out an identity based on your actions which is contrary to how God sees you. In order to fight against these false beliefs, we must discover the exact belief we are allowing to negatively form our identity. Now, let's talk about challenging, challenging the false beliefs about yourself. Once you recognize a false belief, surrender it to God. Turn away by choosing not to agree with it. Then replace the lie with truth found in Scripture. Use the Bible. It's a tool. Sometimes the lie is connected to a very real painful experience. Take some time to grieve over the experience and invite God into the place of brokenness. After you have surrendered the lie over to God, 
Pray that he will help you believe the truth about who he says you are and make you aware of times you do not believe it. Make him aware of that. There are times you'll challenge it. We may not always feel forgiven or blameless, but the truth is God sees us that way. This is where faith comes in. I'll say that again. We may not always feel forgiven or blameless, but the truth is, the truth is, God sees us that way, and this is where faith comes in. I'll read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. So again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. So let's read it together, shall we? For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And again, that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. So let's talk a little bit about how God sees you. If we live out of an identity based on how God sees us, we no longer feel the need to find our worth in our external circumstances. It frees us up to live confidently and stably instead of changing who we are based on the opinions of others. Our professional success, how we see ourselves, and the other ways we define our significance. But again, that's something we're doing ourselves. It gives us the opportunity to experience God's unconditional love in a new and fresh way. And it allows us to confidently and boldly share his love with others. It is certainly a battle as we live in a world that seeks to define us by its own standards. We really do. We define ourselves by the world's standards. But the battle is worth it because as we fight it, the world around us changes. How would believing the truth about your new identity in Christ change the way you live? Think about it. Try to catch it. Again, how would believing the truth about your new identity in Christ change the way you live? Let that one soak in a bit. Now let's talk about how to know your future self. How do you know your future self? One way to feel more secure in your sense of self and more confident in who you want to be is to practice visualizing your best possible future self. Visualize your best possible future self. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. Imagine your life in the near future focusing on specific aspects of your life that will have gone as well as possible. Let that vision of your life be guided and directed and directed by the Holy Spirit. That means to put God in the center of your life and your future. Not just now, but in the future. We already got the past taken care of. God's forgiven the past. Now let God be in your center now and in your future. So listen to what God is telling you. Think about ways to make the vision you have for yourself become a reality. Recall the future you've imagined. Anytime you feel stuck or otherwise lost in life. And use it to center yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you with this. 
What future does God have for you? How is your future aligned with God's purpose for you? What are you ready for? What are you waiting for? The values you hold are central to who you are as a person. They help shape your identity in many ways. One of the easiest ways to find a sense of purpose in life is to always embody the values that you hold dear. If being kind and compassionate are part of your values, then find ways to practice kindness and compassion every day. Make that a practice. If fostering a sense of community is one of your values, then get to know your neighbors and try to organize a monthly get-together, whatever it may be, but be involved. Now, let's talk for a moment. Let's talk for a, a, a moment about recovering from a loss or some sort of significant change. Loss and change can be devastating, but they also offer us new opportunities to evaluate who we are and what we are doing. Changes are they're going to happen. They're eventually going to happen. Chances are your goals and dreams are different. Now that there were, there were five or ten years ago, and yet you may have become blind to that change because of habit and circumstance. Anytime you suffer a loss or a sudden change, use it as an opportunity to reassess and to reevaluate your life. Do the positive thing. Listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Ask God for the support. Many people see the passing of a loved one as a wake-up call to do things differently or to stop putting off long-term goals. Live life and be part of it. When my older brother at the time, several decades ago, died at 28 years old in a car accident, the published article in the Boston Globe shook my reality of what life is. This is back in a time when they published and notified the next of kin later. Uh, that newspaper article was writ a written testimony of the value of life. I put effort into my master's degree. I started a business. I put focus on contribution. I changed my direction. I saw how precious life was. A job loss, here's another, a job loss can also be a wake-up call to find a job that offers more happiness and more fulfillment. Ask yourself honestly if your current goals and personal values are the same as they used to be. If they are not, find ways to incorporate your new goals and values into life. You know, a long time ago, I lost a job that I didn't like, so I guess it wasn't much of a loss. <laughs> My part-time uh, business became the full-time job. New doors have opened, and that testimony is for another class at another time. So, a loss and a change, very often, when one door closes open, Amen. again for another Wednesday night, open it up to prayer. Let God be your mentor. Friends, family, and significant others are all sources of stability for many people. Having a strong connection with your family or friends can also help you feel more stable in terms of identity by giving you a sense of belonging. We're talking about know who you are in Christ, being supported. So let's talk about how you know yourself in Christ. Say to yourself, the Spirit of God who is greater than the enemy in the world lives in me. 
And we learn that from 1st of John, chapter 4, verse 4. You dear children are on and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And that's 1st of John, chapter 4, verse 4. Now also you can say to yourself, I have received abundance of righteousness, reign in life through Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, the scripture says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, those who abundance of grace, and the free reign in life through one man, Jesus, chapter 5, verse 7. You can also say to yourself, I have received the spirit of wisdom, the knowledge of Jesus, the eyes of my heart, enlightened, so that I know the hope of having life in Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18, the scripture says that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And that's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. You can also say to yourself, I am renewed in the knowledge of God and no longer want to live in my old ways or nature before I accepted Christ. And we see that in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. You say to yourself, finally, say to yourself, I am chosen by God who called me out of darkness of sin and into the light and life of Christ so that I could proclaim the excellence and greatness of who he is. And we see that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So let's talk about, we started talking about what is an identity crisis. We've been talking about, we've been talking a little bit how to go through it, okay? This is what we've been chatting about tonight, okay? So we talked about that an identity crisis is a developmental event. You know, we're not talking about the medical issues. I'm not bringing that up at all. We're talking about specifically the developmental event, something that we have control over, that involves a person questioning their sense of self or place in the world. The concept originates, we talked about this, about the development psychologist Eric Erickson, who believed that the formation of identity was one of the most important conflicts, conflicts that people face. So let's talk about what are the three characteristics of establishing an identity. Would you like to know that? Let's find out together, shall we? Number one, defining oneself within the world. Number two, Feeling a sense of belonging. And number three, feeling unique. So how can you be connected? Let's find out. Number one, defining oneself within the world. You have a purpose. 
In Jeremiah, you've heard me say this before, my, my favorite scripture, right? Right, right, Roberto? My favorite, you got it. Jeremiah what? 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29.11. Number two, feeling a sense of longing. This is where you're part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And that is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. And number three, number three, feeling unique, feeling unique. We are all unique in each of our own way. And in Psalms chapter 139, verse 14, that's 139, verse 14 in Psalms. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So we are defined by this world with a sense of belonging and feeling unique. Now we can be with each other within the body of Christ. Within the body of Christ. So in Colossians, I'll go back to Colossians of chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. And the scripture reads, So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and uh, has a complaint, just as you, so also should you. So we've chatted, but it was intended, it was intended conversation today about identity crisis. Um, I shared with you that my wife and I, we, we pray every morning, we pray every night, we're, we're going to be praying tonight, um, and uh, I also read that devotional book, remember that devotional book? Um, that I started reading in January. Well, on Monday, I'm, I'm going to read to you what uh, it said on Monday, and you probably saw me post it on Facebook, uh, and I quickly also sent it over to Pastor, because only hours before, uh, he, he sent me a message that said um, he'd like me to teach about identity crisis. So on Monday, this is what I got, and it's just shortly after he was telling me he was doing this. This is, this is Monday's devotional. Um, and it's saying, when you are born again, you become one with Jesus Christ and identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. You now have the life of God in you. God himself lives in you. Your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are filled with fullness of God. Through the word, you share his divine nature. Therefore, stand firm in Jesus Christ. You live for God. You are dead to fear, failure, and defeat. You live in victory, joy, and in the power of his resurrection. Identify with his new life in nature. You are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Fear belongs to the old life, and it is from Satan. 
Stop identifying with the person you used to be and identify with the new life of Christ in you. Your new identity in Christ is fearlessness. Destroy the lie. Destroy the lie called fear. Take every thought captive under the word of God. Fear is something of the past and has no place in your life. Regard yourself as healed from fear, which can only operate in you if you are unfaithful to the Christ nature in you. When you are under pressure and at risk of falling back into your old ways, confess your identification with the living Christ and overcome your fear in his powerful name. And I was reading that on Monday, and I knew that I'd be chatting with you today. And on the car ride over, my wife and I, we were praying. She had the bottle of water anointing me with uh, water. We didn't have oil in the car. Well, we had oil in the car, but not where I was sitting. <laughs> so um, so what, what was the agenda? What did, did we, we talked about a lot of things. I packed a lot of stuff. Let me, let's go down memory lane. What did we talk about? We talked about the three stressful things in life. Number two, we talked about what is an identity crisis. Number three, we talked about the examples of an identity crisis. Number four, we talked about people without an identity crisis. Number five, we talked about the manifestations of an identity crisis. Number six, what does the Bible say about identity? Number seven, going through the identity crisis. Number eight, changes affecting identity. Number nine, a new identity in Christ. Number 10, challenging false beliefs about yourself. Number 11, how does God see you? How, number 12, how to know your future self. Number 13, recovering from loss or change. Number 14, know who you are in Christ. Number 15, how can you be connected? We talked about that. So basically, so basically, this is what we did. We answered some questions. What were the questions we answered? We answered, what is an identity crisis? Then we talked about, what does it look like? Then we talked about, what does it feel like? Then we talked about, what to do about it? And then we talked about how God can help. Most importantly, God is in the center. You got to work on it. But it is done with God. It is not done alone. Listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. The bottom line, it's all about choice. It's all about choice. You can enter an identity crisis. You can live through an identity crisis. And you can finally exit an identity crisis. Those are the three seasons of an identity crisis. That's in a future lesson. Or better yet, better yet, you can avoid the identity crisis. It's a choice. And obviously, I'm speaking outside of specifically medically diagnosed situations. I'm not talking about hospital-related issues connected to the identity crisis. If you could all stand, if you're physically able, we're going to close out on prayer. And, um, and close your eyes. Dear Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. You are welcome into my heart. Clean what needs to be clean. Organize what needs to be organized. Throw out what needs to be thrown out. And test me and know my anxious thoughts. Mold me more into your image this day. Help me never forget that I am your child, dear Lord, and that you are my father. Give me the strength and encouragement to carry about 
the business and the activities of the day and night. Guide me straight through your light, Lord. Protect my walk against the savages of this world. Be along my side. Hold me in your arms. I bless your holy name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for joining me. Thank you for your attention. Um, God bless you, and thank you. God bless everyone. Let's be seated for just a few seconds, and then we'll be dismissed. Amen. I want you guys, if you're still taking notes, to take this statement of hope that I made.